2: Sunderland won 2-0 this weekend at Shrewsbury, going away from home with I think it was 1,600 Lads fans and it was a, a poor performance but a good win, uh, probably the best way to summarise it. To talk about it we have two guests, uh, one is Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo, how was you?
1: Yeah, not bad thank you, yeah. not bad. Enjoy your weekend? Uh, yeah I did, it was it was pleasingly uneventful, yeah. it was quite nice to have a game where it didn't just all sort of kick off. Yeah. Um, random red cards and daft goals and stuff it was as much as it was quite a, a flat game in a lot of ways it was quite nice just to have a really dull boring clean sheet and win fair play is that why
2: you are so docile you
1: didn't say hello
2: to us at weathery station
1: i was i was gonna <laughs> shout over but
2: yeah i just i just didn't fancy really. it yeah, yeah. right so we're gonna speak don't on take it personally you know what I, mean? I didn't actually know until you told us to be fair so i just wanted <laughs> it to be difficult gav how's you i'm fine thank you yeah Not, we went there the weekend were you no, I was in uh, Utah again. Yeah, were well, you? Yeah. Watching play. it on the old iFollow. Fair play. How, how did uh, how was the stream? It's a very up and down, the iFollow streams, aren't they?
0: No, no, it was a good stream this week. Good yeah, one. Commentary? Yeah, yeah. No commentary. Oh. I prefer it, though. Do you? Yeah, yeah. You can, hear the, you can hear the fans the whole time. It's a lot better.
2: Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> Go straight to the game. Uh, so I'll do a, a brief sort of match report. Well, kind of a match report in the loosest of terms. Something lined up. Formation? Ah, a bit. I don't know. I don't know how you would say the line that we begin with because Madjer and Sinclair
1: seem to. It's a bit of a four four two, isn't it? I would. I would, I would say four two three one to me. Yeah. I don't.
0: I don't, I don't think actually I just... think it's set. I think Jack Ross has explained this before, hasn't he? He. he the very fluid. So although the line up a certain certain, it depending if we've got the ball where we are on the pitch, things change. Um, but for a lot of the time, Sinclair was the furthest forward of the strikers.
2: Yeah, um, it was a bit. Funny because at times it it looked like almost Sinclair and Majer were like coming in off the wings themselves as well.
1: Often I think, the middle I think it's, was. Um, I think it's changed a bit in recent weeks, mainly since McGeady um, and Sinclair have come in. Because I think before it was almost like a back three that was sometimes a back four, and I think now it's settled into a much more you know the defense is a lot flatter. It's very definitely like a back four with Fanning and Baldnessy centre backs. But I think he's one of those managers really who, particularly the forward line, he he encourages them to to rotate and interchange and. I think at the moment, to be honest, they're probably not doing that as much as you would want. I think just because it's a, a thing that takes time to trust each other as players. So mm. I think that's why sometimes it can be quite hard to work out what they're actually trying to play. And I think it's actually probably likely to get more difficult to work out as it goes on because I think they will get even more kind of fluid and changeable, particularly when players like Whatmore come back, yeah. who are very similar, like Sinclair, they can operate out wide, they can go through the middle. So I think that's something we'll probably see more of rather than less in the coming weeks and months, I think. The lineup: McLaughlin was in nets. Uh, Matthews, right
2: back. Flanagan, Baldwin, centre back. Rhys James played left back. was McGiok, McGiok was in the middle with Catamol who was the captain. I can't remember when was the last time Catamol was captain. I was, I was trying to think about this the other day.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't know. No, nah. I, I, didn't he? Didn't he? Early in the season, someone tried to give him the armband for whatever reason he didn't want to wear it. Oh, that's the last time I remember him being mentioned as captain.
1: That's know he must have done it at some point last year.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just couldn't remember. I was trying to think. I was like, "Can can't be back when Steve?" He must be. He game?
0: must be fourth or fifth in the line then, in that sense, because Powers wore it. Um, he's war-it. wore it. Wore it. Wore <laughs> it. Power wore it, didn't he? For a bit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Honeyman's first choice. I don't know who vice captain is. Is it Glenn Luvens?
1: I don't. I don't think they have a vice captain. No. Such, to be honest, well, in fact, they definitely don't have an official vice captain. I think we'll probably see more of it now. I think at the start of the season, you know, I think Jack Ross is a little bit about how he wanted to almost free Catamull that responsibility and just let him just let him play. Because I think Catamull, to be honest, is going to be kind of a captain, whether he's got the armband or not. He's just that kind of personality. Mm. But now the way things have changed in the recent weeks and the way he's playing and stuff, I think it was obvious for him to take this. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if from now on he started to take it whenever Honeyman didn't play because you know it's obvious the way he plays, the way he carries himself and how important he's become the squad now. Um, yeah, you know, he, he is he is the vice captain. I yeah. think, even if not in in title, so I think it's probably something we'll we'll see a bit more of. Uh,
2: Maguire, McGeady, Sinclair, Madger is that kind of front four? I said it was a bit quite interchangeable. First half was really poor, like probably the worst forty-five minutes I think I've seen in terms of just a spectacle. It was just horrendous. Nothing really I, happened. It was one of those. I don't know. It was one of those where, yes, I don't think we played particularly well.
0: Um. But at the same time, we still had two really good chances to take the lead. It was that one when uh, it felt a mad journey. He just couldn't get his feet right and get a shot away. Um, What was the other one? I do remember us having two really good chances in the first half. Yes, it over. Yes. yeah. over. Yes. Probably should have done better with that. Yeah. Um, so although we didn't play particularly well, and Shrewsby came close, they hit the bar. Um. The guy fired, know,
2: fired over, but I think he might have be been off.
0: There was a header about th- five minutes in as well. I think was it was Anthony Grant. Um, yeah, freebacks. Sorry, yeah, yeah. What yeah. yeah. star um,
2: scorer of the day? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So it was. Yeah, although it was a poor half, I thought both teams had the chance, you know, to to go ahead and didn't. Um. It was pretty obvious at half time. Um. What needed to change and what was pleasing was that you obviously Ross yet again for probably the tenth time this season. Made the right decisions when when we need them to, and it turned the game on its head. And um, yeah, although it was a, a fairly dull, uneventful game, things could have went differently. They didn't, thankfully, because as we're finding nearly every week in this league, um, just a lot of the teams aren't good enough to take the chances. Whereas we're used to playing Premier League teams that don't don't need that many chances yeah. to score. And Shrewsbury were. the the epitome of that in terms of a league one team who just can't take the chances I mean our Thursday podcast which went out obviously last week with um with the Shrewsbury fan he said they just can't score goals they're hopeless and that gave me a lot of confidence going the game was sought sought in the game so yeah. that they just they weren't they weren't potent enough when they were given chances and um that's when we will pick up these wins against the poorer teams because we've got players who can put it away
2: uh, back to the, the game itself second half was still more the same until the change were made Gooch came on for magia and Honeyman came on for Magidi. Uh Gooch, good work down the right good work from McGeoch actually him a bit of praise because uh, that pass he did back to Gooch was what yeah. made the space uh, played a ball in and do you know what, it was a good ball and they deserved a bit of luck for how good that, that little bit of play was it was you know a ball that had to be defended and the, the guy was unlucky and putting it yeah, in his well, own. Yeah, I, th-
1: I think, to be honest, uh, you know, you look at Beckles, obviously, it's a, he's, he's slices his clearance and I think that's just what pressure does because of the first half, actually, if you watched, because of the way them were playing, Maguire was sort of drifting in from the right and that's worked really well in some games, it didn't work so well inside it. Beckles was really comfortable and actually he was one of the Shrewsbury players who was having, well, was, it was a nice afternoon for him. He was mm-hmm. getting forward a little bit. He was able to put some crosses in on the overlap Gooch comes on, and all of a sudden he's getting chased back down to his own corner flag. He's slicing the ball out, giving a throw in away. You can just tell mentally he was under so much pressure, and that's what happens when you put players you know with the greatest respect not that much ability. If you put them under pressure, they'll make errors. And I think his own goal was a little bit of a it was a consequence of that. you know he was a player who felt under pressure um, in the game, and that was credit to Gooch because he just ran his socks off. You know yeah. we all we all know how good he is in terms of he can beat a man, but that was just someone coming on and just getting in the opposition's faces and pushing them backwards and you could see the panic in the in the Shrewsby defence. All of a sudden they didn't know whether to, to press the runner, they didn't know whether they had to drop in and I think the goal, yeah, it was a slice of luck. He's kicked it in his own net, but there was a reason why he did that, I think, and that yeah. was, you know, Gucci I think takes the credit, not just for the cross, but what he'd done in the ten minutes before that.
2: Yeah. Uh after that, defended it, looked comfortable, to be honest. There wasn't really I think that maybe had one header, half chance header, that went wide. I don't know, that's my mm. memory, saving his wrong, but I'd never felt under threat. I always thought something were gonna win once I had the lead. And then Luke O'9 scored his first goal for the club um, with a really good strike. And that, that's what we saw from him on them YouTube videos uh, back in the day when we signed them from Wickham. That kind of finish, that on the edge of the box, just inside the box, and just a, a clinical strike in the bottom corner was a corner. it was
0: a lovely goal. Um I mean the pass from Gucci is very underrated. If you look at the way it's just yeah. it's just nicely balanced, nicely poised. And I mean, oh 9s finish is great. The keeper didn't stand a chance. Um, and I don't think there's a single person watched that game, fan, anyways, who just can't feel anything but, you know, joy for Luke 0-9 because he's, you know, he hasn't featured enough this season. He hasn't featured much. When he has, he's been very underwhelming. So it was nice to see him take a chance like yeah. that because I think everybody wants to see him do well. He's, he's so, you know, his personality so infectious. Um, Everything we heard about him before he come through the door was that he was, you know, ready to make the step up. Step up, and I, I guess we've seen he, he hasn't been. He's been eased into it, and I would like to see him. I would like to say him continue. Just see him eased back, eased in. And it was a perfect time to bring him on. To be fair, um, I think we needed just people to run around and create pressure, basically, and that's what he did. He, him and Honeyman in particular in the middle. I thought Maguire
2: as well did a good
1: job of it.
0: Yeah, just just putting them under pressure when they were trying to
2: play.
1: Um, and it worked. It worked fantastically. It, it, was a, it was a really good sub from Ross obviously Shrewsbury had gone to three at the back just before then. And obviously he brought Sinclair off and you're looking at thinking, oh, it was an odd sub in the sense that you might think you might want your centre forward to hold the ball and sort of gather long balls out from the defence. But obviously Ross saw it really differently and he brought on players who would actually run at the defence and Shrewsbury having just gone through a little change themselves to a back three, you could tell straight away they didn't know who was meant to be picking up who. And if you watch that 0-9 goal back, it's really obvious that two or three defenders get in really bad positions because they're not sure who they should be picking up. So it was a really clever sub, And it, it was just nice to see 0-9 play and do what we heard Luke 9 can do in terms of box-to-box midfield, a good strike on him because Jack Ross has kind of alluded to this. I think when he came in, I don't know, because of the style of football some of them were playing, because of the other midfielders, because of the size of the club, I think he maybe felt he had to change a little bit and become something a little bit different. And you saw that in even the little brief sub-cameos he had. He was almost trying to play in a way that he didn't feel felt natural to him. Whereas Saturday he came straight on. It was just all about pressing, pressing, making runs. And the finishing is something which he he works a lot on. I know he does a lot of extra sessions. He gets the young goalkeepers out and works on the shooting really, really hard. So it's actually a big part of his game, um, scoring goals, I think. So it was nice to see him. Because you see how naturally he took it. He didn't hesitate for a second. It was really instinctive. So it's, it's a big plus. I think you look at it now pretty much every summer sign and at some point now has made a big contribution yeah. to a positive result and when you consider previous seasons, I mean that's that's a big thing. First first thing really I want to dive into with the overall
2: game was who who was the man of the match?
1: Um well I I think I gave man of the match to Gooch. Same. Yeah, I think I in did. terms of the overall ninety minutes, I think probably Reese James or Tom Flanagan. Yeah I thought Flanagan had a I would say team. Flanagan yeah. Yeah. I've, been, I've been really impressed with Rhys James just because I kind of had him down as kind of another another Oviedo a bit loose at the back but quite good going forward but actually mm. he's been really really steady defensively he's dealt really well good in the air good tackler I think he's he looks really really good I would
0: say he's actually better defensively than he, than, than he is offensively I think and that, that helps us a lot when you've got players like McGeady and Maguire I'm not saying they don't work hard but it's good to have that solidity behind them and yeah. even if you look onto the other side uh, I would I would say Adam Matthews the 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 good that he did last season was a, a lot of time going forward, and I think we're seeing under Ross that he, he isn't going forward as much. He's sitting sitting back. But there's it, been certain games
2: where he's had a lot of joy, like that Peterborough game. Well,
1: I, think, I think the I th- game was running I th- through. I, th- I, think, I think to a large extent it's the difference between playing at home and, and yeah. playing away yeah. because you know Saturday it's one of those things that doesn't always get notes, but Saturday was such a small narrow pitch it did wasn't it yeah such such a narrow pitch so little space at the stadium it's great for players like Adam Matthews because the overlap's always on there's always space so you can Mm -hmm. always get forward and it's quite good to see that he you know in league one going away from home he is reining himself in you can see that and Sunderland are slightly changing the way that they play to grind out results away from home and I think the fullbacks being a bit less attacking is a big part of that I suspect on Saturday we'll see a completely different Alan Matthews. I think he'll be trying to get on the overlap yeah. all the time and get those crosses in, and, and that's what you've got to do. How important was the the clean sheet second?
2: I think of the season, so, massive because
0: yeah. it was a settled defence for once. I thought I don't, I don't know how many games now we've league games. Anyways, we've played that back for. That's we we'll played. So was second. Same is it back
2: for Bradford? I think.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be good to see that. Actually, uh, what do we
2: play against Peterborough?
0: Um. the Obviously started that game they oh, didn't yeah, got sent, sent off, off yeah. No so key. it's gonna obviously tomorrow night, uh, or whenever people are listening to this tonight, um, we're gonna see probably the same defence because Jack Ross said today he had no new injury concerns, so that'll be the third game in a row where we've picked the same back four or back five even and and obviously clean shooting the last game, great. We we've been waiting for God knows how long for that, and I'm sure John McLaughlin has too. He's played he's probably for me been one of the better players this season.
2: I think pretty, I think he probably, arguably, apart from maybe Magi, has probably been the most consistent player. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, but it must be so frustrating to him to not come away with a, as many clean sheets as he probably has deserved. Um, he definitely deserved that weekend. I just Every corner which came in the box, he was straight out to win it. Uh, didn't do anything wrong, really. Um, so going into the next game, it's going to be good to have a settle-back five because... You can't understate how important that is, and it's not been Jack Ross's fault. He hasn't had, he hasn't made changes because he wanted to. He's had to because Lewin's has been injured, then Oviedo's been suspended or injured, she Matthews in injured, out the yeah. team. Yeah, I mean the only consistent player really has been Baldwin, um, but now we we do have a chance to keep that together, and I would like to think that that back four is probably the one he's got in mind for the rest of the, or at least until January.
2: Um, he, he liked playing that three, though. I mean, when we played against Coventry, he set it up with the three, didn't he? So, it'd be interesting. Um, I just, I just to see if he goes back there
1: when he comes back. I think it's, it, it will be interesting to see how it develops. But that always felt, I think, there's a big difference now that you've got McGeady back, um, because then you can it's easy to play with two wingers, which I think makes it a lot easier to play a settled back four. I, I still think that kind of lopsided three-five-two or whatever. I think that was a little bit of a, a horses for courses thing. Um, I. I I think the last few weeks we started to see a little bit of continuity in the shape obviously players have got a bit of freedom within that shape but it's been pretty similar since the Peterborough game now and I, I think I think that's, that's how we played at St Mirren a very similar way a very similar system so I think that's probably the shape of how it'll go going forward and definitely that to me that back five at the moment looks about where you'd expect it to be yeah. for the rest of the season I think I like, Don't get us wrong I like Lyndon Gooch
0: playing that wing back role and I did, did quite like that system but I think I just think it
2: a back four is
0: a lot. with a potential
2: like, plan B, though, isn't it? Which is oh,
0: it's, it's great. It's great to have more than one plan course, but I just think I just think it's we we look a lot better with it, a more. The other thing, back the four. other thing
1: about that was as well is that you played that kind of left side back back three at a time when right back was a massive problem area because Matthews wasn't really fit and Don Love was struggling a bit. So there wasn't mm. really anybody putting their hand up. Whereas now Matthews is really really consistent. So. I don't think you have to worry about that position as much.
2: Fair play, yeah. I pretty much agree there. I think Matthews, I've written the yeah, most improved player over the last few weeks. And Could you, um,
0: yeah, it, I would. Considering, that I thought, I thought for a spell he was really poor. He was poor against Coventry.
2: It was his, his fault for the the goal at Coventry. Like, he yeah, just totally he's, switched he's off. um. Since then, he's been solid.
0: I think. I think when he was asked to play as that third centre half, he struggled a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it never makes sense to play a no. right back. So back. Uh, now he's playing more like a conventional right back. Yeah, he's, he he looks a lot better. I would I would agree with that actually. Yeah, can't think of a player who's improved more over the last three or four games. Yeah, um, good hot take. The thing is, the thing is with with Adam Matthews though he's 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 never played this low down before, and he's probably had to do a lot of adjusting as well. You know, I know I'm not trying to say that he's a he's a big shot in that squad because he isn't, but he has you know, played in the Champions League, he's he came here when we were in the Premier League. Um and it takes a lot of adjusting mentally to to accept I'm a third division player and, you know, this is a situation that we're in. And he's he's not the only one who's had to go through that. But he's he has improved a lot.
2: Yeah. I think um I wanna talk a little bit about game management. One of them uh key phrases managers like you use, but I think Jack Ross his game management at the weekend was spot on. I, I thought at half-time, considering we've been so poor, I was like, Shrewsby have only got 60 minutes. Like I, I couldn't see how Shrewsbury could have really played any better with the same intensity as they did in the first half. And I knew once we made changes, and I think Ross uh, sort of alluded to this in his post-match um, interview where he said that the players who came off were just as important because they wore down the opposition. And I think the fact that they made the two subs nigh on 55 minutes, uh, Gucci and Honeyman, it gives with that like, little bit of, I don't know, nitrous or something in the immorals, in isn't it? It just got we over the line. I think you've got to give Ross credit for that that management of the game and his substitutions.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, particularly because it seems obvious in hindsight now. and put Gooch and Honeyman on, particularly the way has played the season. But actually, I think a lot of managers would have looked at it and gone, oh, Madge, he's not at his best, but he's got nine goals this season. So I'm just going to stick with him for a bit longer. McGeady... Hadn't done much in the game, but there was more than one occasion where he just turned it on and just kind of beat yeah. three people. So would it actually it would have been really easy to say, oh, you know what, I still think they could produce something. But he knew what they needed, and that was he needed to put more pressure on Shrewsbury in defence because they had too much time on the ball, and he knew they needed to be a little bit more di- direct in the way they moved the ball, and Gucci and Honeyman were were absolutely perfect for that role. So I, th- I thought they were slightly bolder substitutions than they might have looked at face value.
2: I think... Um, if we'd drawn that game nil-nil or maybe we got beat and he took Madger off on 55 minutes I think the fans would have been really really annoyed at Jack Ross so
1: I mean that shows how bold that stuff <coughs> was you take your top scorer off when it's nil-nil and you need a goal Well if you hadn't won the game people would be going well you haven't won the game and you've taken McGady off for Honeyman I know, you know it, I, So that's what I mean You know, when you actually think about it, yeah they were pretty brave subs to make but it, they were spot on tactically
0: Well when you think about it it's not as though we're making wave after wave of attack was it? You know it it was quite clear that we were lacking creatively. It wasn't Madja's fault necessarily, but if you're going to go with a five across the middle, I guess, as opposed to the two sitting, we did end up moving into the five. It probably makes more sense to have someone like Sinclair up front, who's going to cause a bit more problems physically. Um, and it pushed us 10 yards further up the pitch, having those two players on, I felt because we we just weren't placing enough pressure on Shrewsby, end of. Um and it was pretty obvious that with a bit more pace on the pitch we were going to you, you know it was going to push us up the pitch and it did um I think I, I noticed after probably 20 minutes or so uh Shrewsby were putting that much pressure on us that it just wasn't sustainable and eventually something was going to give obviously we got a bit of fortune in the end it was through an own goal but I just, I just think it was it was inevitable that they were, they were going to fold eventually um and thankfully you know we we've got players on the bench even when we've got injuries we do have a bit of quality on the bench which other teams don't have and that's what saw us through in the end it was it was yeah fantastic from the manager to recognize the issue um and it was it was good to see george Honeyman play well because he does come in for a bit of stick and he his couple a of bit. performances <laughs> a bit well yeah um i think he came on and he'd done a great job um he, was, he we needed somebody to to just be that link between attack and midfield, and and he was. But he was also quite ratty off the ball. Yeah, and I think
1: I think he's been brilliant in the last two games. I thought his his combination of the uh, Bradford, his combination of kind of intelligence in the way he bought free kicks and the way he killed time and just the sheer energy. I thought he was he was absolutely superb. And I think you know fair play to him because he do, he does get a fair bit of stick, and also it's not an easy thing when you have the high. Starting the season, you get the armband, and you probably think, Well, that's me in the team, fantastic. And then all of a sudden, you're getting dropped out of the team, and people are talking about you a bit more. You know, let's not forget, this is still a guy only in his second full season as a footballer. You know, it's George Honeyman feels like he's been around for ages, so you kind of see him as this senior statesman, which of course he's not. But his response has been has been absolutely fantastic, and um, it, it must have just been an absolute nightmare. The last 15, 20 minutes for those Shrewsbury defenders, they were tiring. And suddenly they've got Luke O'Neill and George Honeyman just absolutely all over them like a rash whenever they get the ball. It's 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 vital. And I think in this league, you know, obviously the trend in the modern game is towards pressing. But I think it's even more effective in League One. And we've actually seen Sunderland be on the other receiving end of that because defenders aren't great on the ball. No. So if you put pressure on them, you're going to force errors. And that's what Gucci and Honeyman did. They started to force a lot of errors from the Shrewsbury team that weren't there before just because they put them under pressure.
0: I wonder as well how much of that comes down to fitness. Because... Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether our we just seem a little bit fitter than a lot of the teams were playing. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, later think, we, we we seem to come to life later in games where they don't.
2: But if you've got play, I mean, a lot of our squad has played, you know, pretty much championship level. Most of them, they are gonna naturally be you know better athletes. They are gonna have that little bit extra. Than I mean, these players as well. Like Shrewsbury played probably one notch up what they normally played. You could tell after the first five minutes where we were quite good. After that the first half they were running themselves into the ground and that's where they lost the game really it's like these teams just they don't manage the games properly because they're just trying to get a goal to get ahead of where and then no, if they yeah, don't yeah. They're, they're screwed That's like one plan and that's it yeah um, I mean it, it just seems fairly obvious
0: to me that we've got the edge over a lot of these teams it's going to be interesting to see how we fare against Doncaster who are one of the better teams in the league um, You're although in
2: my preview there, Gav, come
0: on. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> <But laughs> talking about this game. It's just more so the the better teams. I think Peterborough matched us. Um, you know, man for man, they were probably. Oh, I
2: thought not know like Peterborough. Were, I thought Peterborough were shocking in the
0: Well, we should
1: have been I, three 0 against Peterborough. I
2: thought, I thought they batted Peterborough.
1: I, you, mean, I
0: mean, more so the second half. When I mean, the to, yeah, be honest, to be honest, to be honest, though,
1: even even at the start of the second half, I mean, that was just that was just a natural thing that was going to happen. You know, Peterborough were always going to come out. After a bit of a rollicking from Steve Evans, but I thought Sunderland managed that period pretty well, and we're then yeah. getting back on top, and then obviously it'll... I'm
0: talking. I'm talking more so about the the effort levels and the yeah and I the fitness. I just think there's a reason there's a gap starting to form in that top six or seven yeah, to the rest. I just think there's there's teams with more professionalism, superior fitness levels, Be- better facilities
1: as well. By yeah, the way, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's one of the things that maybe you know when we talk about Sunderland's like financial advantage, it's always in terms of wages and transfer phase whatever but actually you know, you would hope that the Academy of Light and the facilities at Sunderland have in terms of recovery and you would hope that that would make a big difference at this level it should do and, and hopefully yeah. hopefully, we are starting to see signs of that
0: and as the season progresses that's going to come more into play I think especially over Christmas and that yeah, time yeah, thing you, you would hope
1: that's when Sunderland should really start to, to, to find it a bit easier
2: well I know uh, I'm sure Bradford City trained at a school like that's their training. A lot of teams in this league probably yeah. do, yeah. Oh,
0: they use like uh, local colleges and, and what have you. You know, and that's. And all weather pitches rather than being out on the grass. I bet there's only a know. few
2: of proper training grounds. they They like support and stuff, probably do, but other than that. Oh, yeah.
0: There won't yeah. be many
2: that actually do have proper facilities. But, they're at uh, St George's Park on the. Other, other, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah
0: cool, but other than, other than maybe a, a handful of teams, yeah, you're probably right. You, and, it, and it does play into. Especially when you're playing three games in a week. I mean, how much does recovery come into? It? Especially, we've got two way games. There. I know Doncaster's fairly close, but in terms of recovery, we we've probably got a better handle on it than a lot of teams. I'm do.
2: surprised that they were going up tomorrow to Doncaster. I thought they would have went up. Today. Up down, you mean? Down, whatever. <laughs> Change your perspective. That's only
0: a two-hour drive, isn't it? So they can they can come in in the morning and do the preparation and then drive yeah, down in the afternoon. I
2: just I've thought they would have stayed over. I don't know. Uh,
0: it's Did probably they- it's probably easier for them to do all of that because you think. You think they've, they've probably had Sunday off, back in Monday for recovery training today. For obviously doing their recovery and their training today, so tomorrow they'll probably do a, a light session in the morning and then drive and then drive down after lunch maybe. So yeah. probably just it's just handy the way it's all worked out. Doncaster's not that far away.
2: Uh, I want to talk a little bit quickly just. Um... Catermill captain, uh, how did he do? And that was a silly booking in the first half, but he
1: seems to be playing well when he gets booked. So, I think maybe he did it on purpose. <laughs> I, th- I think, I think he's a, he does exceptionally well. I've never seen anyone play so well on a yellow card. He has got used to it over the years. I suppose then. it could be an experience <laughs> thing. Yeah, but he's, he, it's bizarre. He, he, he's almost—he um, seems to even be—he seems to make more challenges on a yellow card than he does off it. Um, but he just seems to have so much control these days. About the way he does it, it was it, it was bizarre the first challenge, just because there seemed to be very little pressure on. But I think sometimes he just likes to make his mark early in the yeah. game. Um, but you know the the thing about Catmull's, and we saw we saw it at Bradford again in the latter stages of the game when you know we talk about game management. Catmull's Catmull's vital and he's really important as well. If if you actually watch the game, when Jack Ross makes changes in the game in terms of substitutions, changes systems it's always Catamull is the first person he speaks to and he's the person who relays the messages onto the pitch. Um, so I think, like I said, I think it's a natural, it was a natural thing for him to get the armband and I, th- I think he'll do it again in the future, to be honest. And I just want to, finally, the main
2: point for the game, McGeoch talked about him being good for the goal, but in general still doesn't look like the
1: player I think we were mm. expecting. I think, I have to admit, I thought, I, I I was really, really surprised by some of the things I read about McGeoch after the game because... I understand. I think there is a lot more to come from him. I think he still is playing a little bit safety first on the ball in the way we didn't see from pre-season. But I honestly thought he was one of, if not Sunderland's, best player in the first half. I thought his positioning was absolutely excellent. And I thought Sunderland went through a few phases in that first half where they were really, really struggling. And McGeoch's intelligence around the box in terms of where he was positioning himself, the way he was breaking plays up.
2: Got a few good blocks.
1: I thought it was really, really good. I thought his positioning was was, was excellent. I thought defensively he was really, really valuable and then when Sunderland got that kind of wind when Gooch came on, I thought he was quite good on the ball. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's at his best and I think he certainly could be a little bit braver on the ball but in the first half, I thought he was exactly the player Sunderland needed him to be and that's that's what you know, that's what you need your midfielders to do. You need them to be intelligent and assess the game.
0: I think he's probably suffering a little bit from the fact we've had some strong midfield performances this season individually.
2: Power has looked really
0: good. Yeah, so, yeah, so power... And Catamol in particular have looked very good individually in games, whereas York hasn't had that standout man of the match performance yet. But the problem is, is like Phil says, he's very undervalued defensively. I think uh, people probably don't realise, and it's unless you're actually at a game as well, it's quite difficult to see see that unless you've got the full picture in yeah. front of you and you can see the pitch. But he does quite a lot of um, good work off the ball. Um, in terms of structure, I mean, I wouldn't under underestimate how important he was to the clean sheet because the defence do need that shield and with Catamore's role changing the older he gets, he can't play that position anymore where he used to, where he would have been the man sat in front of the defence quite deep. He hasn't got the legs to do that anymore. He's been freed up to do a different role and that's why um, to get the best out of Lee league, you probably need a player like McGiott alongside him who's just that shield who, you know, when they get the ball to do the very simple stuff and it doesn't it's not very glamorous and you know it, he's not going to get into many highlight reels with his, with his all around performance in a game but he's a he's an effective player and we need players like that you know we you, you can't underestimate the role of somebody like that particularly away from home mind where you need to be a little bit more cautious uh, I don't mind that I don't mind that at all I think I think that, you know it's understated
1: he's Gus Poy's dream isn't he yeah yeah <laughs> he's the dream Gus Poyer no like I said I I understand what you're saying and definitely he's not as decisive on the ball in terms of the build-up plays he was in pre-season he's safe he is, he is safe but that's s- sometimes really that's hard, okay sometimes yeah. it's not and I think he can get better but I, yeah I did actually I, I wanted to make that point I thought I thought it was worth dwelling I thought defensively his position was was really good on Saturday and really important and I think that side of the game probably I don't think he's got the credit he, he deserved for that
0: well you look at you look at Hibbs last season where he was obviously the player of the year Um Alongside him was McGinn, who's now went to Villa and looks a really good player. But you've you've got to think the players alongside the likes of McGiok, they always look a little bit better than than you you would think, and it's because they they have somebody doing all of the 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 not so nice work, which yeah. is what he does, just picking the ball up in front of the defence. Positional and,
2: play, all that.
0: Yeah, stuff. yeah, and it, and it frees up the players alongside them to do do be a bit more expressive and be a bit more creative, which is what Catamol this season you've seen playing in a team who are winning. And playing attacking football, you've seen that from Catamole this season, where where he's 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 now able to get forward and do some of the stuff he hasn't been able to do in the past because he was that man, he was the link man. And um I think as the season goes on and and if he can stay fit, that's a big thing when we go because over his career, certainly not the last couple of years, but over his career he's struggled with fitness, and he has, to be fair, since he came here, struggled a little bit with fitness. Um if he can stay fit. Then he'll play every week in in this team, and it, and it's because Jack Ross recognises that he needs someone doing that job. You can't you can't just have your central midfield players bombing forward and shooting all the time. You do occasionally, and especially away from home, you need somebody who's just switched on defensively and just wants to sit there and and I know people, some people hate the phrase, but recycle possession, and that's what he does a lot of. Yeah. You know, when when we when we're under pressure, the ball goes to McGiork and he might just play a simple five yard pass, but that's what you need sometimes.
2: Got a few questions. Are we all done with the the game? On uh, just
0: on just on them, um, on Catamore with the armband. Uh, before we switch off, um, I think I think although he, Honeyman's a captain, yes, but when he's not on the pitch, we need somebody to step up, and and although although he, whenever he is on the pitch, yes, he, is, he acts like a captain, but let's not forget just how experienced he is, and um. If whether he's wearing it or not, he's still a captain on the pitch, isn't he? A leader, many leaders. Yeah, around the team. So, I would I would like to think that people recognise that rather than thinking, "Oh, is he going to be? The, is he wearing the armband?" This it doesn't matter if he's got an armband on or not, does it? No. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, he
2: still picks up that booking. Uh, we've yeah. got some questions here, some for Phil, some just in general. So, first one is for Phil. It's from Graham Field, and he asks, "What are your well, what are the thoughts of the journalists that you speak to who could have other League 1 clubs and what do they say about Sunderland's chances of promotion
1: um, I think it, I think it's a bit varied to be honest because I, I think some I know certainly a few of the people I spoke to at Shrewsbury weren't really that impressed with Sunderland but then they probably don't have that understanding of why in a weird way that was actually a really reassuring performance yeah. for us so I can see they would have looked at that and thought oh, I, I'm not actually that impressed with them but for us, that's actually a positive because we're not used to seeing them put in that kind of performance. Um, I think from the from the, some of the other journalists I've spoken to, one of the things that I've heard a few times is quite a few people have seen Barnsley in the flesh and been really, really impressed. I think most people have seemed to, and not just journalists, actually just people I speak to in the game, most people see Barnsley as the best team in the league. Now, obviously, they've had quite a few poor results, so they haven't found much consistency. But from what, from what I hear and what people say, I'm still expecting them at some point to have a really, really, really strong run where they put some teams away quite emphatically because the reports about mm. them are really, really good. And actually, you only have to look at their squad to see that because it's pretty much the same squad who gave Sunderland a few yeah. turning overs in the, in last year. So I think, by and large, other journalists, so to speak, have occasionally been a bit underwhelmed with Sunderland, but does certainly doesn't, not something I worry about. In a way, I actually think that's
2: we as fans have been a bit underwhelming I mean, we've sat yeah. here and you know we're talking about the game at the weekend and it was in some ways underwhelming stats don't lie though do they we've only lost one game this season yep. we don't concede many goals
0: well, we've got the, with, the fourth we think, best
2: defence I think
0: it, uh, yeah it's crazy when you think about it considering we've only
2: kept two how many?
0: how many of those goals do you think and you go god it's always just one enjoyable. silly
2: goal though in most games I mean, I we've w- only conceded two goals a couple of times haven't we
0: yeah I watched Barnsley the other week they played Luton on the TV and Yeah, they look brilliant But then you look at the result at the weekend They've had a couple of bad results like that And you just think um, uh, Yeah, it's alright looking good in patches But if you can't manage If you can't look at like Some of the results we've picked up You think about it and you look at it and you go That's not a bad result in hindsight Like, if we'd drawn yesterday Which for a lot of the game we look like doing um, Wouldn't have been a terrible result? Because then you look at some of the teams Who went to Shrewsbury this season And haven't picked up results Doncaster haven't uh, Do think at Walsall. Teams who were up there with us have actually struggled at Shrewsbury. They had the best home record in the league up until Saturday. D- yep, yeah, uh, only conceded four goals all season at home. So they might not think much of Sunderland, but then you look at the results of their teams are picking up against these teams, and then you then you understand actually we we did a good job on Saturday. We, we went we went and we frustrated them for an hour, although they they had chances. We we did we frustrated them for an hour or so. And then uh, when the time was there to, to you know, pick them off, we did. And yeah, if we're gonna do if we do that over the forty odd games more often than not, we're gonna we're gonna end up top of the top of the table in my eyes because you look at Portsmouth even have, have had some indifferent results even though they seem to be running away with it a little bit. I think mean, Portsmouth um, have
2: got what, six points on us?
0: Yeah, I think we're we're drawn games. But we've got there, a game in hand.
2: Be, but, so that
0: will I mean, be interesting. I, it's far too early to be Maybe. I think there's gonna
1: be. I think Peter will drop off. Like I, I don't really that. I, I, I think Peter will drop off. More well, than anything, I just, I don't. I, I think it's really hard for a manager like that, to keep the squad united. And he's done it before, though. I mean, he has, has in he promotions. Really? Rotherham took Rotherham to the championship, did he? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I, that's to, the, to me, it,
1: they just look like a bit of a ticking bomb. To be honest, I find I, I I'd be really surprised if they do it over a 46. Some of those, period. well,
0: some of those, carrot Cummins and uh, Madison aren't famed for their. A good attitudes you know, you, you've got to keep players
1: like that happy every week like I say I, 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 I think Barnsley will do well. I, I do like the look of Portsmouth just you look at the manager and he's just been there and done that you keep looking at yeah. the results they're the team who you keep looking and oh this team slipped up this team how have Portsmouth done oh 1-1-0 1-1-0 1-1-0 oh they were 1-0 down but they won 2-1 two late goals they just seem to have something really good about them this year yeah. and I really really rate Kenny Jackett I think he's so underrated he's, he's succeeded everywhere he's gone so I think I think Portsmouth will be right up there. Peterborough, um, I I really fancy it drop off. And actually, you know, there's some good some good blogs out there about League One and sort of the numbers and stuff in Peterborough have massively massively overperformed. Um, and I think actually you saw that when they came to the stadium. You're like, yeah, they've got some talented individual players, but overall they give up an awful lot. Um, so I I do fancy Peterborough to to, to drop away.
0: I just, I just feel like Sunderland. Of when it comes to 46 games, I think we've got more about us than the majority of the teams, if not all of them. And I think what we're 13, 14 games in now.
2: Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. 12. I, mean, I think we played 12. Every team's got yeah, a bad
0: 30, 26
2: and 13. Yeah. Was oh, is that it? Oh, we played one less than everyone else before.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Every team's got a bad run in them. I just. I don't feel that about Sunderland.
1: No, I, no, I, I don't I, think we'll get I can't see we're getting beat. I can't see them going on a run for four or five games where they don't win a game, just because I think the individual quality is so good. So I've really struggled to see us going through that period where we go for a while without winning. And look, at the end of the day, Sunderland at the moment are going two points a game. If you do that for the whole season, you'll go up. Yeah. If you look, Every single season, if you get 92 points, you'll go up automatically. There's only and that season that's been I close, still, hasn't it? And I still think Sunderland... Sunland haven't had well they had a good start of the season but they haven't had that run of six or seven games where they win five and I think they will do that at some point could be so, in the midst of it now you know yeah, yeah. so it's, two,
0: it's two, two wins away from home another one tomorrow night and then you're looking at south Ender one playing too great and then who's to come after that I don't think Plymouth a, Plymouth or right bottom, bottom. Yeah. I th- we we did a piece on the site last week it was the next projecting the next five games before obviously um, the weekend and basically we are, we have a after, well now we've got four games where you're looking at it and you think that's why you've got to go on a run now mm-hmm. because then we face we have a run of horrible fixtures where we're like playing teams
1: all up there with us
2: we've got um, uh, a game against Blackpool coming up at some point I don't know when that's being
1: rearranged for So any news um, on that? Well they, well they haven't been able to rearrange it yet because there's still a few things like FA, FA Cup replays potentially um, so I don't think I don't think there's a. It's
2: probably going to end up being that the fixtures will end up being sort of like reversed. We'll probably play Black Bull at home after we have played them away.
0: <clears throat> well, not necessarily. It may be actually that it's just organised on very short notice. So, like Phil says, if if because obviously that by the time people are listening, to this Sunderland's draw have been made, won't it for the probably, FA Cup? Yeah. But you might you might it might be a case of where that game gets played and then they're like, right, we have a window to play this now because neither teams got yeah. a
2: replay or something like that. Uh, quick one here we've touched on it a few times but I'll I'll tackle it again do you think we'll need to reopen the Premier Concourse for any games this season and I think Bradford seems to be the the one
0: well, well last time Stuart Donald was here he mentioned that didn't he yeah. he, said, he said they're looking at uh, the Bradford game as maybe the first time to reopen the
2: and Bradford Concourse. to be fair them could probably take four or five so you could probably extend their away end a little bit you mean you, you probably could get 40, 40 plus for that game it's,
0: it's interesting isn't it to see how many people do come back because uh, I mean, even when we were playing really bad in the Premier League, there was still forty-one thousand turning up. Yeah. Um, but obviously, then we came to learn that um, the club had put an end to six or seven thousand corporate tickets going out for free every game. So that that you can knock that off your off your uh, your total straight away. But I think if if the team are up there, second, third place come Christmas, there's no reason
1: why you can't you can't open that up I mean, to you. What what kind of attendances were you getting under Roy King, when they went up, because in my head they were still only yeah the early thirties, yeah. yeah. So that kind of suggests that you've got a that, kind of a core support that you get to, and then maybe you have to. And go that was up eleven to
0: years it. ago as well. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, you don't know how much the support's
2: grown. I mean, they've spent what eleven years in the Premier League, so people, more people might have been going, more attendances to seem to jump up from 0708 or eight to
0: well, probably because they were given out six, seven thousand corporate tickets every home game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I suppose.
0: I mean, I, I I've, I've got. F- I know people who just won't go to a game. It's just they've just they've That's a habit they've come out of. You know what I mean? So um, the ones that want to win back are those people and you would like to think around Christmas. That's the time you'll get them. You know, yeah. the half-season tickets and stuff. Uh,
2: Michael Bowers has a question. Uh, Ross did talk about this in his press conference today, but have uh, you got any, any idea where the club are at with Maja, Gooch, Honeyman, Mumba, Hume with
1: contracts? Um, not a huge... Is amount. it a worry? No, um... Is it a worry? Well, obviously yes, is yeah. is the simple answer, isn't it? Because these people these players will be free to speak to other clubs in about six weeks' time. And the fees you get from tribunals are rubbish and that's you know, you can look at the history on that. In the same way, I'm not particularly worried because none of these players agitated for a move in the summer. And if they weren't really eager to leave in the summer, why on earth would they be really eager to leave now? Because yeah. the club's going in a good <coughs> direction and getting regular football. Josh Madge is a <laughs> Josh Madge is a really ambitious young man, but he's also one of the smartest and most level-headed footballers I've ever come across. And that's across the board, by the way, not just for a 19-year-old. Really, really, really impressive. Has a really good relationship with Jack Ross. I think he's smart enough to recognise that there aren't many 19-year-olds getting as much football as he is. And I think he's happy, and I think he's probably looking at thinking, well, this time next year... I'll be playing regular football in the championship potentially and how many other clubs are going to offer him the opportunity to do that. Yeah. You could go to a big club and then you might get loaned out with a championship team but then you're not their player so it's quite easy to drop out the team. So I, I'm I'm fairly confident that they've got a really good opportunity to, to tie these players down. As I said, they all get on really well with the manager, they're all playing and if they didn't want to agitate for a move in the summer, I don't see why they would want to now a few months down the line when things are looking good. It obviously is a worry, of course it is, but I'm, I'd be, I'm fairly confident.
0: I'd be interested to find out why we haven't gotten tied up yet.
2: I don't know. Uh, Ross, I, I, it's not. It's not really been
1: explained, has it? Ross said today
2: that they're um that they're in talks with them. There's dialogue, and that, that's that's as that, far as he I knows. I think that's, that's, that's the it.
0: line we've been told quite a lot for yeah. a couple of months now. It, th- there's obviously some reason why it's not happened yet. Is it the players? I don't
2: know. Is it well, like, I don't kind know. of moves <laughs> us on to the next question. Um about but the fact that Indong and Dilabogy have gone, that means that you know eighty grand, something around that's come off the wage bill. So would that not make sense? Is that
1: not the kind of money that could go back in there? I think it does I think it does make a difference in terms of offering offering new contracts, definitely. I mean I think one of one of the issues I think people obviously people are very aware that there's been a few issues with staying under the wage limits over the summer and the, the AFL have been pretty, pretty on Sunland right from day one, really, since the takeover went through. And I think one of the big... There was a bit of a... Panic's the wrong word, but not getting rid of Indong and Jiribodji was a big blow because when Sunland and Stuart Donald had drawn up their initial budgets, whatever, and their business plans, it was almost like, oh, well, those two will definitely be gone. Mm-hmm. We can write that money off because there's no way they're still going to be here come. And then they were all of a sudden and that's a massive commitment. I know they weren't being paid because they weren't here. But it was a big kind of cloud. And I think ultimately, I think the EFL as well, and I think the club recognised that it's good business sense to commit some money to these guys because how much would it cost to replace Josh Madge's contributions this season and Linda Gucci's goals and assists? So it obviously makes good business sense. The simple answer as to why it's taken so long, I don't really know. Obviously, Madge and Soro were contracts towards the end of last season, but then overnight everything changed. Mm. Um, it is. It is a concern. Of course, it is. But I do still think. I do think there's a genuine appetite for the players to stay. And I think you can't underestimate the work the managers done to get these guys to see a really bright future of Sunderland. So I'm still. I'm. 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 I'm very hopeful. Do you think
2: we're more worried because we're not used to being in League One? And generally in League One, I imagine players sign contracts in March, April, May. The
0: thing is, as well though, although yeah, I mean we can see that the club probably do want to keep these players but at the same time we were now at a at a level where your best players are are ripe for picking on and yeah. and and at the same time as well the owners have probably they're going to they're going to see offers for players in January that are going to tempt them um i mean there's you can have no doubt that teams are watching Josh Magee he's a 19 year old score nine goals scorer in, in league 1 I mean, he
2: he was on the books of of Manchester City not that long ago. But I was thinking, look how much money Moiseyev went for, and he was scoring goals in League Two, for Chel- was it Cheltenham, I think. Yeah, you, was yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, Madje, I think is actually <coughs> younger,
0: same age, younger, yeah,
2: younger and scoring at a higher level. So, I mean, if Mo was worth, what was it, three million in the end, he went for something like a two and a half. Yeah, million. it was quite a lot. Yeah, you know what's what Madje with? Well, that, that's it, isn't
0: it? The, the, they're going to look at it and. And consider off as I would imagine, but then probably look at how valuable he is to the squad. Yeah. Um. So that might be why it's delayed. You know, just things things aren't as quick as we'd like them to be. Uh,
2: we've got a, a one here about Celtic. Um, Brendan Rodgers linked to a few jobs. Is Jack Ross likely to be approached by nah, Celtic? Is that yet, something that's going to
1: happen yet. or not yet?
2: Not yet. Give it a couple of years, maybe. I. But.
1: Yeah. That's that's a job we could definitely do in the future. Yeah.
2: Well, I think Nick Barnes was talking about Scotland job, wasn't he? Saying that that was well, the thing Well, I think that's dream. where
0: Jack Ross sees himself eventually, as managing his country. He's got ambitions to do that. Because I don't think he ever played for Scotland, did he? Um, and it's a massive job that nobody's been able to get a handle of for years and years and years and years. And he probably does look at it and think, I could do that and that could make, I could, I could leave my stamp. But not yet. He's just starting out, isn't he? Really, he's still a baby yeah. in
2: terms of management. It's just um, the worry is, is, in case. I mean, if if we're sitting here in January, something on top of League One, Jack Ross is the dog's bollocks, and then sell. but
0: just like the players, he's going to be. Yeah. He's going to be.
1: They're going to be people sniffing around him. Obviously, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that would happen this year because I think people would. I think what would count against him. I mean, we obviously know how much work he's had to do here, but I think people would look at it and say, "Yeah, but." Biggest budget. Yeah. He's got like cat more than Can If we were sitting here next year and we're in the playoff places in the championship or pushing, then I think suddenly people would really start. to But then to he's not likely to go. Then he? he might not want to go. Yeah, but because the, where else, you know, where else would he get that opportunity? So that's that's one thing. Madger, I'm a little bit worried about Jack Ross. Absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, the
0: only the only thing with with managers, your flavor of the month for like. I know you know what I mean like look at uh, Hurst I, I mean there were, he was tipped to come here wasn't he event and he, he went to Ipswich um, funny actually that Ipswich were the other club in for Jack Ross well it's, it's, it's
1: mad because yeah. it wouldn't have taken a huge change in circumstances at all for Jack Ross to have gone to Ipswich and Paul Hurst to come yeah. here in fact I don't doubt for a second that had Jack Ross ended up at Ipswich Paul Hurst would have got this job I think and that just I was when you think about it, that's actually like really interesting because you look at the players Paul Hurst State into Ipswich, most of the League One players. So you probably think, yeah, he would have probably mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. about the right. same players who would have come in here and and you look at it and he's struggling at Ipswich and you think, Well, how would you done how would Jack Ross have done at Ipswich? Would he have found it difficult? It's one of those things, ultimately it didn't happen, so it's completely yeah. really pointless, but it's just interesting. It's a podcast to think about for it, another day
0: it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it just shows you though that Paul Hurst was the was the number one name on everyone's lips at one point, and now he's he's looking over his shoulder a little bit. Um, so that window of opportunity might, you know, if, if if a big opportunity presents himself itself to Jack Ross, you never know. Because we are, I think, it, I think a lot of what happens beyond this season hinges on promotion, doesn't it? I mean, we don't go up this year. Anybody worth anything to the club's going to be going to be looking for other opportunities.
2: I think. Yeah. yeah, you're probably it, right. It, it, so, but obviously, that's looking very far ahead. Right. Final sort of 10 minutes here. I want to try and keep under an hour for a change. <laughs> we never <laughs> normally do that. Um, game on Tuesday against Doncaster, game on Saturday against South End. So, include the Shrewsbury game, three games in seven days. Jack Ross likely to do any tinkering, do you think? I mean, it didn't sound like it today in his press conference, but. I think
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Madge is on the bench tomorrow. Obviously, he hasn't trained today. Um, and I think with Gooch playing so well on Saturday, I think it might be a really good opportunity just to rest Madge's ankle a little bit because he's obviously been playing through that. So how
2: do you think he's going to line that front m- four? Move,
1: move Maguire into can kind of you number ten role and just play Gooch out wide? Do
2: you think he's not possibly going to drop McGeady. Play Honeyman. That was my. I he might think, That was
0: my thing, and mainly because um, against another top team, I don't know if we can get away with playing just the two in the centre. Honeyman can drop. Yeah, away from home as well. I just feel like that that's a pretty straightforward. I think I think you make. could
1: you could well do that. You could play a midfield kind of three of Catamol, Honeyman, McGeoch, and then your front three of Maguire, Gooch, Sinclair, which as we've seen earlier in the season would be very fluid and yeah. Maguire and Gooch could switch around and what have you. Um so I, yeah, I could definitely see him going that way.
2: And then you've also got I'll try McGeady sorry I lost my train of thought there. McGeady though would be the one who's coming on the bench on 60 minutes if the game's at nil-nil and that's a
0: perfectly good option you've got to think option. as well McGeady's played quite a lot of football actually hasn't he he's,
1: yeah. um, considering he didn't have yeah, any yeah. pre-season whatsoever you know, he's he's played a lot of minutes he's obviously a player who doesn't really need a massive amount of physical work to go and do, do what he does but it's the,
0: it's the large number of games over a short spell all of a sudden I don't know whether I think he might just make a couple of changes with Saturday in mind as well also, just looking at just looking at what went well on Saturday, you know, bringing Honeyman and Gucci in, I can see him doing that. Um, like Phil says, Madjab being dropped probably makes sense. I think we have got to protect him a little bit if that he is injured. Rested, rested, yeah. Just yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have to start tomorrow, does he? I mean, that shows how well we're playing. We're not always our top scorer. I don't think he has to play. And it's, again
2: it's an option them. I mean if, you know for a fact That if the game's at nil-nil And Doncaster You know 60 minutes in Are looking and saying Right they've got Madger They've got McGeady They've got Lugo9 There's three players there That we know will change the game You know yeah. that That's going to play Into their thinking as well I mean I wouldn't be surprised Tomorrow if it's similar Or tonight I suppose if you're listening But I wouldn't be surprised If it was similar to Saturday In the sense that we Don't Go into half time nil-nil I think like That might almost be the aim Is to just not concede Just keep it tight Nothing too risky and then second half make the difference with your substitutions. It's gonna be an
0: interesting game because they, they score as freely as we do.
1: They're three three um, at the weekend. Yeah.
0: The... So it should be interesting. Did you see the stats from that game?
2: Thirty two
1: shots, Chillingham G- had three shots and scored three goals. It's Tommy's right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But <laughs> well, I think thirty two shots. And Gillingham had three, and they finished three, three.
2: Gillingham were two 0 up, and then Doncaster brought back two two. And then they conceded in the 89th minute. Gillingham scored in the 89th minute, and then Doncaster scored in like the 97th or something. Yeah,
0: it just shows that. It, hopefully, it's going to be an entertaining game. Um, obviously, I would like Sunland to pick up three points as routinely as they possibly can. But I think, I think if anything, it shows that both teams are, are good going forward, um, and that's why I would probably play Honeyman because i just don't know if we can get away with playing two in the middle against a, a side who they actually do keep it on the deck as well they're a good they're a good passing team
2: we've not really came up against one of them yet
0: um i don't know did who was it um Burton are reasonably Burton played tidy quite
1: well against us yeah i actually thought i actually thought luton yeah played good really good football kept on the deck they had that little <coughs> midfield diamond they're still they haven't really done all that much but they're still i still think they're the team I've been most impressed with in terms of one that Sunland have actually faced. Well,
0: before the season, they were the team everyone was tipping to go straight up, weren't they? You
1: no, know, they were like the dark horse, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I remember the, not the top 20 pod, I think they had them as their champions.
2: the champions. No. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I thought that post- And
0: Sunderland going up as playoff winners? Yeah, they had us they, a, lot of team, a lot of teams have, to be honest, where we haven't been top of the league yet, have we? We've been.
2: We've been uh, for where? We started at half 12 on the Saturday. Oh, yeah, I was we top for about two hours. <laughs> and I remember it. <laughs> but we've, we yeah we've we've generally
0: hung around just outside the top two, and that's why tomorrow's a big game because you win that you could go second depending on how Portsmouth result goes, yeah, you, know, you could be creating a little bit of pressure going in let's like, say that spell after the next four games. We do have a run of tough games against sides in the playoffs um but we can only go one game at a time, I think I think the do- the the Doncaster game is to this point probably the most important game of the season because that'll be a test of where we're at, I think. Although beating Shrewsbury in in routine fashion is nice, you have to be able to go to places like Doncaster against teams who are challenging with you and you have to be able to prove a point point. like if, something to another team
2: to beat. If we're at 0-0 in 80 minutes tomorrow, is Jack Ross going for the winner or is he settling for the point? Oh, going he's, for the winner. he's
1: going for the winner. I don't even think that's just I think that's just the, the make up he is as a manager yeah and you know there's numerous occasions I can't remember what the game was yeah the Peter, the Peterborough game where I know he was he was considering bringing Oztek on and kind of shepherded it out in the last few minutes, and I think just decided he didn't want to go down that route it's He's always someone who will only make a defensive substitution as an absolute last resort. We saw that at Bradford he did bring Oztek on, but that was a slightly different situation. I think he's someone who will always no matter what club he's at, he will always go. Go for the positive option. I think his manager, if it's nil nil after 80 minutes, will see it as, oh hang on, this is a great chance to get a massive win rather than rather than the other way around.
0: That attitude pervades through the squad as well. The, the players, you can see them with 20 minutes ago picking their levels up nearly every game. It's yeah, should be an interesting match because it's just going to be nice to see us duke it out with our team who, who like to go for it.
1: And in that know? that kind of game, those are, you, you, with Sunderland, you kind of think, all right, if Doncaster are going to play it on the floor and play a nice open game great that's exactly where Sunderland and Jack Ross team are going to get the most joy so in that sense it's quite an exciting prospect and also I think it, it'll it suit us as well and we saw that Peter was the classic example you know we were looking at that thinking actually I think it's going to suit us to be in that kind of game and it did they would have won yeah. if it wasn't for a moment of stupidity you they would have comfortably won that game when is Oviedo back? Saturday this see. is his last one isn't it? tomorrow
0: um, Doncaster's his last game Bradford, trade, yeah yeah count. so well, he had a three game he's, he's, yeah.
1: not, he's not getting back in the team though I don't think yeah he no. probably probably fit on the bench won't he I, uh, yeah I, I, obviously it depends how great James for Doncaster but I don't know you could possibly possibly drop him from what he's done so far um, I think that would send out a, a terrible message really because he's coming to the team and he's he's not made a mistake
0: well he did didn't he he dropped Denver Hume for one game Denver Hume had, had like two really good games he'd played well against Stoke in the Checker Trade and then in the league, I can't,
1: was was it the Burton game? The we Burton got beat? game. Yeah. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that again. No. Nah. Yeah. I, mean, I think he hinted that Hume came back in for for Oviedo the week after. Yeah. I can't so remember he, dropped, was, he dropped he dropped Hume, but he basically admitted yeah. in the game after that. You know, he kind of said was Hume back in for the Watchdale game, maybe. Possibly. I can't
2: remember, but he He, he yeah, dropped.
1: Right. He played. And played. Then he got injured against. He, ba- he was basically
0: man the match two games running. He dropped him, and everyone was like, oh. And then Oviedo had a really crap game. Against Burton where he was at fault for the first goal and just missing for the rest of the game. And then he brought Hume back in after that.
1: Yeah, I think after that yeah. game he, he kind of he didn't say I got it wrong, but in, <clears> in his in not so many words, but yeah, so I think I think Oviedo will have to have to fight to get his place back and that's how it should be really.
2: In terms of a return, two games uh before one extra court, so how many points should Sunderland be looking for? I think they've done themselves a favour by getting the three on Saturday, which means that we maybe afford to drop two.
1: A point tomorrow, tomorrow would be an okay result. That's uh, by any measurement. If you go away to a team scoring loads of goals at home and pushing for the playoffs, if you go away and get a point, I don't think you can in any league in any circumstance. I don't think you can see that anything other than a decent result. Especially considering Saturday, they will be looking at that and going, "Yeah, we need
0: to win." Home game against a team not doing too great. Um, but again, like I said before, I think if you're going for if you're going for promotion. Doesn't matter who you play, you've got to try and win, and I think we will. So if yeah, if we do come away with a point, then whatever. But I think we'll go there and we'll try and take all three, and we'll we'll, we'll put a team out which is there to win. Um, it just it might be more like the Shrewsbury game where for the first hour or so you don't see the best version of Sunderland, and then maybe later in the game coming our own.
2: Okay. I think uh, I think I would I would take four, but I, I really want the six. Like I think we need to start putting our stamp and I think getting four straight wins would be exactly that. And then who was the game after that? Plymouth? Plymouth, yeah. Who Bottom up, of the league, the league So yeah. you can start building a little bit, you know, you could be looking at six straight wins once you play the home game after that, so...
0: Okay. No, but that's the type of run you need to go on if you're going to yeah. win the
1: league. I, I always look, I look at the season and say, you know, if you can have, if you split it into, say, like four blocks, and in three of those blocks, you're fairly consistent, you pick up a couple of points a game, I something have them in the first block, and then you have one block where you're really, really, really good, you will go up, you mm-hmm. will get promoted. So if Sunderland can just chip, keep chipping away, keep picking up results, and have one stage of the season where they have a real a real run, like Portsmouth have to start with, then then you'll go up.
2: Yeah. All right, cool. I think we're all done here. Uh, podcast on Thursday, I presume. Graham doing one? I think so, yeah. yeah. Just trying to sort of guess, but yeah. Yeah, Should be good. Um, and then we've got a few other exciting podcasts lined up, but we'll keep that private for now. We can keep
0: what? We'll probably... Tell one of them Yeah Since it's away down the
2: line Yeah okay Well Paul Reid uh, Will be coming on On the
0: 14th of November November yeah It's yeah. about a month away yeah. Sunderland's academy yeah. Head of academy isn't he yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah So that'll
2: be That'll be interesting To talk yeah,
0: about yeah. the academy And how things run And stuff yeah. Which will be interesting Because So many of them Are coming through now And we're seeing players Go out on loan and stuff It'll be interesting to hear what he's got to say About all that Because with January Round the corner They're going to be looking at maybe another group of players going out on loan and uh, that's probably one thing that's been criminally missing over the years recently anyways that's something it's not really been prioritised getting the lads out yeah,
2: they've struggled for it now because you look at Honeyman he's like 20, 23 and he's still he's looks like... Now, he still looks like he had a he month looks...
0: at Gateshead and that's it I, he... can't, I still can't get my head around that he I'm still looks mad. though he
2: looks like he's a 20 year old like I, I feel like the fact yeah. that he's never had them spells out he's
0: you could say that about a number of players couldn't you like how how Lynn and Gucho when he only went to Donk- he had, You know He had a couple of games at Gateshead, then spent a few months at
2: Doncaster. Other than that, he scored think, a worldie for them, actually, didn't he? That's a good call.
0: It's mad, really, that over the years that's not been a priority. So it's good to see that changing. There's, there's Luke Molyneux out, Embleton's out, Stryzex just had his loan extended today at Eastleigh. They love him there. He got player of the
2: month, I think. Yeah, received a penalty, didn't he? Isaiah? He saved a couple of penalties, yeah. I think.
0: He's having a really good spell. That, that's what you want to see, don't you? You want to see they're better off doing that than playing for the 23s
1: oh yeah Screw the in it, and you kind of even just like a welfare kind of sense you you want these guys to be looked after if they do leave Sunderland because a lot of them won't make it that's the top button, you know mm, like no, not a lot yeah. of them won't make it and the club have a duty of care really to ensure they're in a decent <coughs> position to go and continue their careers if they do go and leave Sunderland and Max might have found it tough to find a club because he'd never played first team football but now he's gone and proven himself in the National League whatever happens at Sunderland He's, He's given a, himself a chance sh- of having a career. and that's He'll be that's a pro important. National League. Do you know
0: even? him, though? It's a shame because he went to Akron last year in the summer and got injured on his debut. He was, I mean, it was the first game of the season, wasn't it? Nine minutes in, got injured. He was the he was the starting goalkeeper. And then uh, the injury kept him out on maybe Christmas time. Akron went on to win the league. He could have been part of a league-winning team last season and he wasn't.
2: And then we might um, not have thought about getting a new keeper.
0: I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's mad how it's circumstance changes, things like that. It's... You know, poor kid really, but he's, at least he's out playing now and doing in, well. Kim am I get to spell it? I mean, how old is Kimpuruga? He's 18 eighteen, isn't he? Eighteen. 18 yeah.
2: 18. So he, he could possibly do with a national league. Well, or,
0: you've got to think if we're where, where they're better off sitting on our bench or playing somewhere.
1: I mean, you know. in the in the moment you you couldn't have you couldn't yeah. let Kimpuruga go no. because he's you know he would have been the next one off the bench on Saturday. So at the moment you couldn't let him go. If what more Ed and, and Mike, Mike yeah settle down at the end of January, they've had a couple of games. Then absolutely. But uh, I, th- I think we'll see Kimmy back on the pitch fairly soon, to be honest, because he's brings something a little bit different. At it the looked moment
2: really good like. against Carlisle. I thought. I mean, I thought the fact he was getting chances was good. You know, that's what you want. I don't mind about him. You know, maybe looking raw in front of goal, but the fact he was able to get in their positions, he. Yeah,
0: I've, I've watched him a want. handful of times for the twenty threes, where he's not played up front, and I kind of just thought that was uh, that was like talking because Madge, I was usually playing alongside him. Now he's getting a run up front. He looks, he looks a good little player. Like he, he played um, the 23s played at the stadium Light last month against Norwich. Um, I think it was Norwich, and he and he was like, do you, you know when you're just watching 23s football and it's so like everything's at the same, and then there's all then there's one player who stands out a little bit. That was him that day. He's just got something a bit about him. He's he, you know he puts himself about. He's quite quick. He's very raw, but he he looks like he's got something about him, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so I would like to th- I would like to think he if he doesn't go out on loan he'll he'll be a, a part of the squad and play regularly but good on him but to be fair like because he's he's him and Mag- to a lesser extent and Major, but because of circumstance he's played a little bit more than they might have wanted him to and he's
2: he's took his chance really any, so fair play right well I think that's us done so yeah. uh, thanks for listening uh, follow Rogue Report on all platforms follow Rory and follow something let go Rory Rory. Rory, Phil Rory Smith You can, tell, you, you can isn't tell you've he? been at work all day and you, I didn't quiet. sleep last night honestly I mean I, I was out last night And uh, <laughs> I got about two hours of sleep I was absolutely rotten
1: my, I would, if, People probably should follow Rory Smith Before they follow <laughs> me Because yeah. you know Pretty good Yeah well you, follow I'll Phil follow as well Follow so. them both Why not
0: Yeah follow
2: them both Yeah why tag nice Rory Smith in this We're anyway. on
0: um, new platforms as well
2: Yeah we're on Spotify We're on TuneIn TuneIn Radio It's my yeah. preferred podcast platform actually
0: But Spotify's uh pretty good now because loads of people keep
2: asking us about that yeah no it's good, good to get on them platforms we've Aye. went big time we Yeah, all over the place. So yeah follow Rory and Phil Smith <laughs> <laughs> follow Gab as well um, so yeah and we'll see you next Sunday for Graham Anderson yes I'm Graham also Anderson. recording a podcast on Saturday which I'd forgot about until right now with Rob Mason yeah there we go so you've so got, got podcasts so much happening yeah, that's I why can't remember that. Phil I don't know when the Rob Mason one will be out I'm not sure. Whenever. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe hold it back for a little bit. I don't know. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Two podcasts in two days seems a bit much. Then again, people, people, people love the people report love content, though. Just so, love it. Yeah. will so. have one every day if they could. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to that. And uh, thanks for listening.
0: Bye.